This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Absolutely gorgeous outside. The snow's still there, and it's been pretty solid ever since it came down at my house, Greg. And and I'm pretty sure that you have as much or more at yours. In fact, you you were telling me you were losing some uh, parts of trees over at your house because of the heaviness, I guess. Yeah, the cedar trees never did learn to drop the snow they they capture it and uh we have i don't know how many dozen or so very very old cedar trees that we're proud of in front of the the uh, farmhouse and uh, uh one of them managed to drop some heavy stuff right on the driveway so yeah. part of our observance of the snow is to get out with the chainsaw and open things back up but we enjoyed it it was uh, a very pretty snow the way it clings to the branches and it, mm-hmm. it's still there today and i got to drive over some good uh, hills to get uh, back up here to murfreesboro and the clouds were sitting down on it so mm-hmm. i felt like driving through the white as well yeah. as seeing it on the ground on the trees well that's one of the Snow is not as pretty in town as it is out in the country, is it? Oh, right, because the way, particularly a wet snow, the way it clings to the branches and, yeah. and such. Of course, that's the one that also does the the tree damage. Uh, tell one on my wife, she got up and saw the pretty snow, and, of course, she's an artist, and she takes pictures that she uses to put together her art compositions. Mm-hmm. And she says, I want to get a picture of the cows in the snow. <laughs> So she goes out, comes back a little later, and I said, well, did you get the cows in the snow? And she says, the cows are all in the barn. I said, you know, they're smarter than you think. They get in there out of the out of the weather. She's an amazing woman, isn't she? <laughs> she is. I've never much. seen one like her. One of her compadres passed away a few days ago. Former uh, Secretary of State. Yeah, Schultz. And um, 100 years old. Can you imagine? It, it um, Time flies by, I guess. As you get older, it just seems like it just goes by. It, it passes the speed limit, you might say. Well, we all thought he was a senior citizen back in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, so your perceptions are always relative. Yeah. I, w- I, would, I wish somebody like you and, and Mentorette would get together and write some type of historical uh, uh, thing as far as Washington and how it changes 
over the the decades. I guess it changes more in decades than it does maybe from well, it changes. One to it, it, I think there'd be a perceptible difference depending on what administration's there. Yeah. Our experience was with the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. and to contrast that with uh, you know the last eight years is just <laughs> no contrast and no comparison would be my conclusion. You know, when you talk about Reagan, the one when he. I guess every president has something that he announces at one time or another that stays through history. You, you, you know, I, I can remember all the way back to uh, Eisenhower, uh, some of the things that they say. But um, the thing with Reagan, everybody remembers him saying, tear down that wall. Right. That that was, I think that was the big event during, yeah. during his particular presidency. Well, one of, but it, it was... Certainly memorable. Yeah. Before I forget it, let me do a commercial. The Rutherford County Historical Society this Saturday, Mm -hmm. uh, as it has been doing, uh, shut down for a couple of Saturdays, but has been open for coffee and conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's always some uh, refreshment uh, over at the uh, Ransom School, which is the headquarters for the society. and, this, the, and uh, the address of that is? 1700 uh, North Academy. Okay. Just a couple of blocks from Oakland over there, but North Academy. Uh, maybe 1707 or something like that. Well, they see the cars parked behind it. Yeah. I hear music. That's your music. It's not mine. <laughs> oh, it's in my coat. Let's ignore it. I'm in the midst of inviting people for Saturday uh, because at noon, when we close for the week, uh, the group is going to uh, go as a group to the City Cafe uh, to uh, recognize a uh, longstanding business and supporter. And after having a lunch as a group there and some sharing of uh, information, ideas, uh, they go uh, a little bit uh, back up the street to the Country Gourmet, mm-hmm. which uh, has always been one of the best retailers of my books mm-hmm. and supporter of the society. And uh, I think uh, uh, if it comes off well, uh, we'll be initiating a, uh, a regular practice of visiting with the historic older uh, local businesses mm-hmm. uh, and bring some attention to them as well as uh, do a little bit for the local history. History is probably as strong <coughs> here as it is anywhere I've ever seen. And I think you deserve a whole lot of credit for that. But there were historians before you, but uh, you, you seem to be able to get the message out a little bit more. Well, a lot of, a lot of people uh, committed to just doing that. <clears throat> in the historic society, yeah, and uh, appreciate all of them. In fact, uh, recently uh, we've talked about the uh, Revolutionary War grave that we're working to restore. Mm-hmm. And Carol Hughes, one of the board members over there, it took a personal interest in that history, and she got way ahead of me uh, mm-hmm. researching the the history of that individual as well as the the gravesite over the years and it's uh 
problems and recognitions and such. So, uh, you know, it's very satisfying to see that others share your interest and yeah. want to take it further. Uh, let's see. This uh, week is significant for a couple of things we ought to mention. Uh, Happy New Year. What? Happy New Year. Uh, Friday is the uh, Lunar New Year. Oh. And as you know, there's a fairly substantial population in Rutherford County now that uh, have an Asian background that observe the the Lunar New Year. And I love it, too. I really do. I don't know for sure, but I know in the past the Discovery Center, the Children's Museum, Children's Discovery Center, Mm -hmm. uh, does a recognition uh, one day at the Discovery Center. And, uh, of course, there are different... Asian populations. I learned that uh, the uh, Lunar New Year, some people call it the Chinese New Year, mm-hmm. and this coming year will be the year of the buffalo. That sounds good American solid, uh, although their buffalo looks a little different from ours. Uh, the Laotian community, and I believe I understand that their traditions come more from India than rather from China, mm-hmm. uh, they have a different uh, New Year that they observe. Uh, so what will what will you be this year? Me. What animal? I'm always whatever animal I am. I'm a snake, and that didn't really sit well to me when your <coughs> lovely wife told me that I was a snake. I think the better term is serpent. It yeah, well, serpent. Uh, <laughs> but she classic. said it wasn't a bad thing. <coughs> you know, with us, the the serpent is is not something to be admired very much well biblically it is uh takes gets a bad reputation but if you get into for instance medicine the snake is a uh, uh, representation of wisdom mm. and knowledge and you know this caduceus that the medical establishment uses has the snakes around it mm-hmm. and i remember worrying when i first saw that why they would use the biblical snake you know, as their symbol, but it also means from the early Greek, I guess, a symbol of uh, wisdom and the yeah. special wisdom of the physician. So you are what? Come on, you know. Go ahead and spill it out. Uh, yeah, a dog, I believe. <laughs> well, dog. I don't feel too bad now. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I believe I'm a dog. I'll have to, if the phone rings, that'll be what's going on. So she'll straighten me out. Yeah. Uh, it's also the 50th anniversary of American Pie. You remember American Pie? You talking about the movie? Drove my Chevy to the Oh, yeah. 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 Don do. McLean, 50 years ago. Well, I should have seen further first, back than that. Yeah, well, first released American Pie. Yeah. And uh, I used to see, uh, if I was driving and had it on the radio, how far I would go before he finally finished because it went on for, what, 15 minutes? One of the longest pop songs I can remember. It just seemed that long. It just seemed that long. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I have heard that there's some campuses, college campuses, sociology classes, That'll spend a semester studying all the symbols and what in there. Yet, uh, in the interviews I've heard with Don McLean, he says it was all more stream of consciousness that he was 
you know, just throwing in things that rhymed and things that might be uh, uh, represent something. Uh, and uh, but it does wander on and on uh, for about 15 minutes, I think. Your phone keeps making a sound. Somebody is trying to leave you a message. Yeah, probably a tenant somewhere. <laughs> saying they're not paying this month. <laughs> or, or, or hopefully saying they've I've left it left it there. All right, you go ahead while I see what's going on here. Well, bless your heart. This is this is I, I want to say hey to my buddy James Hamlin. He had uh, uh, our buddy. major surgery. Our buddy. We very well for him. Yeah, and uh, I had the opportunity to go by and, and visit with him this last week. And uh, uh, I, it, it's amazing how people can respond to, to really. I mean, it's, it's just like he got run over by a truck, the surgery was. But uh, the first few days was awful. And, uh, and then uh, I, I noticed that. He started changing as each day went on, and uh, I am so happy to see him bouncing back. Yeah, that's that's special. James is 83. 83, and he retired from. He was a top supervisor for, with Coca Cola right. in, in Davidson County, right. and he knew just about every elected official or. or uh, we were talking about something special. I can't talk about it on the radio, which is a shame. I, here, here I've got everybody listening, and now I can't see it. But uh, there were a few uh, characters, you might say, in Davidson County that I really can't mention their names at all. Well, I enjoy James' stories about scoreboards. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, because... Now, when, when he's back with us eating again, we, we, we need to share some of that. Yeah, but uh, Coca-Cola sponsored or paid for, I guess. Yeah. An awful lot of scoreboards. Uh, and and actually, it, it's a family thing. In fact, uh, they deal with the scoreboards at Vanderbilt. And, and, uh, and most of the schools in, in the Middle Tennessee area, even some outside the area. Mm-hmm. A what was got a very specialized professional skill, yeah, yeah. Uh, maintaining those. But let's see, I wrote a check uh, a couple of days ago, and reminds me it didn't that, bounce, did it? Well, I haven't heard yet that okay. it did, but it was to uh, uh, support probably one of the two or three most important memorials in Rutherford County. Uh, the Sam Davis Memorial Association, much of their financing comes through memberships. Yeah. And the first of the year, January, I guess, is when memberships are renewed. And for $25, you can be a supporting member of the Sam Davis Memorial. And, uh, yes, there are some benefits, such as uh, that gives you free admission and a discount, the, the, the typical type things. But really... Uh, the best reason for the membership is to support one of our few uh, memorials of that period. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was glad to send in my check, renew the memorial. It got me to thinking about it. Uh, and also, I don't know whether you've noticed, but being formally in Germany, being at one time a journalist, I've been... Uh, intrigued and at times 
uh, kind of amused how so many stories now are written. Five things you should know about, or the five things we can learn from, something or another. Kind of formula writing, you know, if you can come up with five things, you've done your you've done your writing. Well, I looked at it and I thought, how about five things about the Sam Davis story that's usually not told as part of the story? I mean, the Sam Davis Memorial is special because it does not recognize military victory, does not re- recognize an individual who uh, showed uh, genius in military, what have you. It doesn't memorialize any particular great battle. Uh, in fact, it it almost doesn't relate to the uh, military conflict. It, it's an individual, a young man, whose loyalty to his friend and his leader and to the cause was such that he was willing to die rather than disclose information that might have worked against his friend, his his leader, or the cause. And, uh, but, and that story has been told many, many times. Uh, one of the earliest tellings of it was written by a woman back... Uh, within a few years after the end of the war. And uh, when I wrote one time about the Sam Davis story, I used a phrase out of uh, her writing, which was the family learned, quote, through the grapevine that Sam had apparently uh, been executed uh, with some uncertainty as to it. And I quoted the phrase through the grapevine in my writing. And I got a contact from a fellow up in uh, a, a another historian, I guess, up in Kentucky, that said uh, it's inappropriate to use modern-day uh, expressions uh, as though they would have been used back in that time. Ooh, he slapped your hand. Yeah, well, I, I wrote back and said, if you'll check the uh, 1869 publication of Miss So-and-So, mm-hmm. It was apparently a phrase in common usage back in the in the war period, something we didn't know. Uh, but in any event, the uh, story, as I would hope it would be told, should begin with the emotional scene of Sam leaving home, literally at the gate to the to the yard. Mm-hmm. And having to say goodbye to his mother and his siblings and riding off on his horse. That is frequently part of the story. But what is not noted, number one thing that you won't find usually in the story, is that he didn't leave alone. He had a slave companion. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the slave's name was Coleman. Uh, Many years after the war, he was identified as Coleman Davis Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't give you the history of the name except that we know his. He went by Coleman, and uh, was he was it Davis because of Sam's yeah, family? Yeah, I think he took that name yeah. from the family name. Yeah, and uh, they rode together, and according to an account given later by Coleman, many years later, he scouted with uh, Sam. Uh, full time, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, he was in a position of servitude. He was a slave. Uh, some people might say, "Well, he didn't have any choice." Yes, he did. 
the environment in which they were working was such that he could have turned and ridden away any time he wanted to. Yeah. But there was a loyalty there. And uh, in uh, some of his own discussion many years after the war, mm-hmm. he says uh, uh, that they grew up together, they played together, they were playmates. And uh, his loyalty to his childhood friend and... and uh, companion there was such that he would not at any time have betrayed Sam, a trait Sam also shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did, however, when Sam was captured, captured with papers which identified him in his role as a spy uh, or a scout, as it was called then, uh, they showed no interest in Coleman. In other words, it was uh, right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, he apparently stayed around the Pulaski area until uh, Sam was executed and commented in his own story later. He says, well, I guess my uh, service in the military ended when he was hanged because mm-hmm. at that point he did ride away and disappear, yeah. more or less. Uh, why is that not part of the story? I don't know. I think some people may be embarrassed by the fact that the Davis family had slaves. Yeah. And uh, a very prosperous farm before the war. Uh, it recovered to some extent after the war using many of the same uh, personnel on what I guess we'd call a tenant farmer basis after that. Yeah. A lot of them stayed. Kind of uh, like sharecroppers. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I hope as we understand the story of Sam Davis, we'll appreciate that, uh, yeah, when he went to war, he went with a manservant, you could call it. He went with his childhood friend uh, who had been uh, in servitude there at the plantation since his birth. Mm-hmm. I think he was born, Coleman was born, as was Sam, uh, at the uh, Davis home there. In, in a lot of ways, many of them were treated like family, weren't they? And, and uh, the education process, uh, as far as learning so many trades was very beneficial, you know, after the war for a lot of them. And, of course, a lot of them wanted to stay with their, with the people that they grew up with. Yeah. All right, number two, uh, the story of Sam Davis uh, should, in my opinion, give uh, significant credit to a fellow named John C. Kennedy. John C. Kennedy. Kennedy was in uh, the Middle Tennessee area, particularly up around Nashville. Mm-hmm. He was from Kentucky, but he was down here uh, working as a, how would you say, supplier to the Union Army that was occupying Nashville. Mm-hmm. His family uh, had a close uh, relationship with the family of the senior officer in charge of the Nashville occupation. And Kennedy was down here dealing uh, with the and and dealing in a way that he would uh, uh, get supplies from the local area Mm -hmm. and was selling them or delivering them to to the army. In his movement about the area close to Nashville, he learned probably through the grapevine that the family in Smyrna, prominent Davis family in Smyrna were uh, suffering considerably from the uncertainty of uh, their son's status, Mm -hmm. having again heard that 
he had been captured or that he had been executed, but nothing known for sure. And Kennedy, despite the the different uh, political or military sympathies of the people, apparently took sympathy on the family and offered to at least get some clear answers as to uh, the fate of the son. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went to the... Uh, probably a brigadier general, and in my writings I've got the names, uh, and had to get passes because you couldn't just travel around Middle Tennessee at that time because of the military occupation, different areas. And the uh, general gave him the passes he needed to go to Pulaski to pass through all the uh, checkpoints uh, on the way and to either recover information or recover the body, if that was appropriate. And Kennedy did that. Uh, I think he got a carriage or something and maybe got uh, some assistance from um, the Davis family in mm-hmm. terms of a probably a slave uh, laborer who went along. Uh, but he went to Pulaski and heard firsthand from the people in Pulaski the story about uh, Sam Davis and refusing to divulge information and being uh, executed, hung. And as Kennedy heard it, uh, he recognized that this was a very brave act of self-sacrifice. And uh, he did recover the body, which meant the body had to be disinterred because it had been already buried, I believe, and brought the body home so it could be buried in the family cemetery but what else he did was he told the story and perhaps he exaggerated the story some to uh, give some comfort to the family that Mm -hmm. their son had died a very brave respected man respected by the the enemy as well as you know the citizens of Pulaski who witnessed it Uh, and uh, Kennedy told the story initially and began the circulation of the story, which really rises to the point of legends. But 30 years later, Kennedy wrote an article which appeared in the publication of the United Confederate Veterans Association called Confederate Veteran. Uh, If anyone wants to see it, it was uh, by John C. Kennedy, titled About Samuel Davis, appearing in the Confederate Veteran, Volume 4, mm-hmm. February 1896. He can give you the page number, page 35. And told the story in detail. Uh, obviously, Kennedy is speaking in the third party, but repeating what he had allegedly heard from the people in Pulaski and the, mm-hmm. and the military at the time. So we actually have the story of Sam Davis, a Confederate figure, told by someone who was sympathetic and working for the Union occupiers at the time. So high uh, indicia of credibility, we call it, mm-hmm. uh, when a story is told by your enemy about, about you. Uh, and Kennedy didn't stop at that point. The story being uh, read and people responding very positively towards Kennedy proposed a memorial and did the fundraising to build and and place two statues of Sam Davis. And Kennedy was involved in the fundraising, 
selling the story and the idea. And also uh, they retained a prominent sculptor to do the statuary. And Kennedy was the one who, uh, visiting with the uh, sculptor, uh, when he was working on it, he had his model. And Kennedy was the one that looked at the image that was being made and confirmed that it favored, sufficiently favored the, the real person based upon what he had seen in the, uh, he never knew Sam alive apparently, but he uh, had seen the body and uh, had made a point of you know, confirming identity with the family and all. So he was the one that the sculptor turned to to be sure that it was an appropriate likeness. And you know where the two statues went. One of them was put up at the place of death in Pulaski, and the other one was put up on the Capitol. It's over at what I would say would be uh, the west side front corner near the War Memorial building, across the street from War Memorial. And uh, as far as I know, it still stands there. And uh, The one in Pulaski, is it visited very much? I don't. You would think that that would be yeah. one of the... Uh, uh, well, I think parts of history that would yeah, be very, and I think to some extent, Pulaski's benefited by the tourism attracted by you know the site of the execution, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe there's a museum, a memorabilia at least there. Uh, so to me, the story of Sam Davis wouldn't be a story had it not been for John C. Kennedy, a Yankee sympathizer, Yankee collaborator, mm-hmm. who took sympathy on the family. And their and their loss, and then, 30 years later, and I've said before, the the cause of the Confederacy really became uh, popular, and many of the uh, memorial statues and and what have you, in the 1890s, which if you count it up, is about the time that the uh, veterans begin to disappear yeah. and die. 30 years after the end of the conflict, uh, and. Uh, uh, all right. Something that was really made such a, an amazing impact on uh, someone who had uh, northern uh, uh, ties it is very rare. And, and then I, I look at, you know, how he um, portrayed uh, Sam Davis in what was going on as, as a hero for the Confederacy. That's a very rare thing mm-hmm. during that particular war because there were so many strong emotions that were involved in that. So uh, it's it just, uh, it, it's actually, it's the only situation that I know from this area during that time that reached that uh, plateau as, as far as uh, honoring someone who was basically on the other side of the fence. Very true. Yeah. Let me back up to uh, the slave who accompanied Sam. Uh, I give his account a lot of credibility because uh, it was documented when he applied for a Confederate pension. He was not in Tennessee. I believe he was Mississippi. Uh, he had moved there and relocated. But uh, he applied for a Confederate pension and uh, filled out, with help, the paperwork for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was some doubt. And uh, an attorney 
uh, went and basically cross-examined Smith, mm-hmm. Coleman, uh, until, you know, using what do you remember of these facts and, no, you know, compare, as, as you do in your investigative work, law enforcement, and uh, came away convinced that Coleman's story was true and accurate. And uh, uh, Coleman got his pension. He got a Confederate pension as a uh, a uh, military participant on behalf of the Confederacy. So I gave I give his account a good bit of credibility. All right, number three, Henry B. Shaw was the head of the unit that Sam was a part of. Uh, it was called the Coleman Scouts. Probably coincidental, mm-hmm. uh, but I wonder if the uh, uh, companion of Sam Davis had anything to do with the name. Yeah. Uh, but they're called the Coleman Scouts. They were essentially the spy operation for the uh, Army of Tennessee, working primarily Middle Tennessee. And Henry B. Shaw was uh, more of a mercenary. I don't know that he ever really had a uh, formal military rank. He I'm pretty confident that he never wore the military uniform, but he had been a peddler, and that gave him uh, access to and knowledge of the area that was in in, uh, consideration. And uh, I think he participated in the recruiting of the young men who were part of the the spy system. Uh, And uh, in telling the story of Shaw, uh, he was captured shortly after Sam was captured in the same area. He was not captured as a spy. He was thought to be someone who was dealing with, uh, he's selling and working for supplying the Confederate forces. So he was taken as a prisoner of war. And at least the overlapping last day or before Sam's execution, Shaw was actually in uh, imprisoned uh, in the same part of the state, perhaps probably in Pulaski itself. Uh, so Sam apparently, if he had any, if he knew that, would have been even more concerned about his leader. Uh, but the last offer made to Sam was identify uh, your leader. And he refused to do it on the grounds that he would not betray a friend or the, or the, the cause they were dedicated to. Uh, unfortunately, Henry B. Shaw did not share that same loyalty uh, and commitment that Sam did. Uh, and this was just recently discovered. Uh, if you read some of the earlier writings, they'll say the records of Sam's execution, the formal military records, have never been found. Well, they were found just a couple of years ago. It's interesting that Brigadier General Dodge, who's the one who signed the papers for Sam's execution, did not turn over his papers, his records, to the Union archives. He took them with him, probably a violation of, of the rules of the, of the Army at the time took them with them and they disappeared uh, into the family mm-hmm. uh, and the family uh, just in the last decades finally gave them to an archives out in the Midwest and a friend of mine James Solomon uh, doing research 
traced that down and found the records of the general. And it's always been said that <clears throat> Henry Shaw's commission and uh, orders and, and commitments from, uh, I believe it was probably Bragg from the Army of Tennessee, mm -hmm. that document disappeared. Well, it was found. It was found in the Union General's papers that were in the archives out in the Midwest. Why in the world would he not turn those in and use that for his own personal reasons? I, I'm not sure why. Uh, we, could, we could guess. But uh, uh, my friend, the author Solomon, then went to the Confederate archives, which have been preserved in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And is all the paperwork that was kept by the uh, Confederate command at the time. I remember Richmond, that area was the, uh, the seat of the Confederate government. Mm -hmm. And in plowing through those archives, he found a letter from Shaw being held as a prisoner of war. Uh, uh, he was held as a prisoner of war and eventually was uh, exchanged or released in early 1865, before the end of the war, but very close. Mm -hmm. Shaw wrote to the Confederate command and asked for repayment, reimbursing, reimbursement for his personal losses, his wagons, his horses, and his inventory at mm -hmm. the time. The uh, people in charge over there at the time of the financing of the Confederacy wrote back and said, you got to give us, we don't have any record of, of your participation. You've got to give us a copy or give us your, uh, your orders, your commission, uh, to justify any, any payment. And in a second letter, Shaw writes back and says, I had to give up uh, my commission in order to preserve my circumstances. In other words, he had uh, told all, betrayed his commission, betrayed his, uh, uh, in order to uh, survive. See, I'm looking, see if I can find the exact quote. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he says in his letter, a direct quote, my orders were given up to secure protection. So exactly what uh, Sam refused to disclose, Shaw disclosed, and of course ended the Coleman Scouts and, and that activity. Uh, that to me is a the ironic ironic twist to the story of Sam's heroism. Mm -hmm. The object, the sub, the person he was trying to protect, did just the opposite and betrayed the mission and gave up his papers. And instead of being treated as a spy and executed, Shaw was treated as just a prisoner of war. He made the deal and uh, spent time as a prisoner of war until the swap was made that got him released. Uh, that's number three. That's a big number three. Yeah. Do we need to take a break? I, um. I got two more. <clears throat> Well, I have I have no signals yet. All right. Well, let's go back a little bit to one of them. Yeah. Where Coleman was um, uh, able to receive Confederate uh, benefits. Pension, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, <coughs> how long did that last? Because uh, like the, the Confederate dollar and everything, the, it really wasn't worth a whole lot at that time. All right. The pensions were not paid by the Confederacy as any kind of entity. Yeah. I can't speak to Mississippi, but in Tennessee, our uh, our governor, Rutherford mm-hmm. County's governor, the only governor from Rutherford County, uh, is the one who adopted the pensions in the 1880s, and it was a state-funded enactment uh, that paid Tennessee veterans their pension. And in Tennessee, the pensions ran until death. Mm-hmm. And if you were survived by a spouse, a widow, she got a pension until her death. And uh, you remember we were talking about the uh, uh, Uncle Albert, Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived for a while on the pension, and uh, he ended up at the uh, county farm because the pension was rather yeah. meager, you can expect. Uh, and then his wife received a pension until her death. Now, was the pension from the state of Tennessee? Yeah, funded by the state. All Was that to both sides, both the uh, the northern and the, and the southern? No. No. Okay. Uh, the United States of America, to the extent it recognized and paid pensions. Everything uh, was very complicated at that time. Uh, probably less so than this time, but, uh, yeah, there still was a procedure, a lot of paperwork, and uh, I'm sure a lot of them didn't think it was worth it, and yeah. some of them never did get it because records were lost, particularly Confederate field records, which sometimes was all you had to rely on. Well, I was feeling pretty good till you brought up that this, this traitor at the end. <laughs> well, number uh, the, uh, number four, uh, Sam's uh, execution, unfortunate as it was, it was also, according to U.S. law, illegal. Mm. Earlier in the war, there was a rash of executions uh, done by the Union Army some of which were what they thought to be spies or, or, or uh, rivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there also was a real problem of desertions, particularly out here in what we call the Western Theater, mm-hmm. uh, because many, uh, a large percentage of the rank-and-file soldiers on the Western Theater were, brought, were attracted into the military by promises of payment. Mm-hmm. And as you know, many of them were uh, recent immigrants. At one time, German was such yeah. a common language here in Rutherford County because the occupying forces were were mostly immigrants. And desertion, uh, or I'm tired of this, I'm going home, Yeah, uh, was fairly common. And the penalty for that was execution, usually firing squad execution. And you go back to some of my writing about executions during that period, uh, Port Rosencrans in this area did a lot. Well, that didn't sit well with the folks back home, and uh, began to be a political problem. So uh, I think probably at Lincoln's initiative, uh, the the U.S. Congress passed a law in uh, probably 1862, and again that date in some of my writings uh, that said military executions had to be approved by a major general. In other words, the order, the findings of the court-martial, whatever, had to be reviewed by a major general or his staff and signed by the major general. 
General Dodge was a brigadier general. Yeah, one step down. Yeah, the major general would have, at the time, probably would have been Sherman, but whoever was in charge of the Army of the Cumberland uh, at the time. <clears throat> so technically, the execution of Sam Davis was a violation of U.S. law at the time. And again, the... Would that have been a reason he took the, all that information? We can speculate that he might have been concerned that uh, he had ignored the uh, requirement for, you know, it going on up. Yeah. Although Dodge was already, uh, if you read the story, distancing him himself from the, you know, he he approved it, but he wasn't the one that pulled the lever by any means yeah. uh, at the time. Uh, the last one, and you and I remember talking about this one, of course, number five. Do it, Job. Yes, that was a bad. That was bad. Yeah, another spy. Also, in uh, in the Sam Davis story, there's some speculation that I think has some basis that he was betrayed by somebody mm-hmm. because they knew when they captured him that, uh, or they suspected that he was part of this spy operation. Uh, Job, uh, doing the same kind of work, was uh, hiding. It sounds like from the reading he was hiding in the woods Mm -hmm. somewhere out here in Rutherford County or up in the northwest area around Rutherford County. And again, somebody uh, gave him away, and he was captured uh, by uh, a a union patrol, Mm -hmm. lower rank. You know, a senior officer in the group was probably a sergeant. And uh, they tried to get him to talk, and he wouldn't talk. He would not betray his mission. He would not betray others. He would not name names. And he was tortured in a very brutal uh, way and uh, eventually died at the hands of these this group. They drug him behind the horse. They mutilated him, and but he refused ever to divulge anything. Uh, the body was left in the field. Again, the through the grapevine, so to speak. The family uh, learned something of it and uh, sent a slave, an older slave, and he recovered the body. Mm-hmm. So the story was within the family, but really only told by this slave and then what he had reported to the family and what was evident from the body. Uh, Job's valor, courage, commitment is at least equal to Sam's. And there is today a plaque in Smyrna about Job, but never the memorial, the reverence, the uh, reputation that Sam enjoys. What's the difference? The difference is, again, John C. Kennedy. The difference is who told the story and how was it told and how was the story promoted. Mm -hmm. And so the there was no John C. Kennedy in the Job matter as there was in the Sam Davis matter. So as is the case with many of our stories, particularly the military and the heroism, it's having somebody to tell the story yeah. and to bring it back uh, that can make a difference. And you and I have talked about World War II and my father's experience and how the Black Sheep Squadron is so well-known among those who are interested in military aviation. And uh, I say, well, it's very similar to the Sam Davis story. There was a 
equivalent of John Kennedy. His name was Frank Walton, mm -hmm. who wrote up everything about the uh, black sheep and their uh, successes and put it into the media of the time and then subsequently wrote a book and uh, helped organize a uh, program at the Smithsonian. Someone to tell the story can so often make the difference in what becomes a legend and a hero and something that is almost forgotten. When you're talking about history of wartime and things like that, uh, unfortunately, it, it's rare. Now, the people who win the Medal of Honor, Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, they're brought to the forefront uh, a, a, as a rule, like you know Sergeant Alvin York, and and um, he he was uh, um, brought back to the U.S. and became a nationwide hero with with all the things that he accomplished. But normally, what you're finding is that the top generals that are participating, somebody like uh, George Patton. Uh, he he's revered as one of the, the greatest generals of all time. But you think about all those hundreds of thousands of troops that were on the front line giving their life to uh, uh, protect our freedoms and, and, and things like that. Uh, for some reason, that has always stuck in my mind. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they get very little... And a lot of times, no recognition for for the part that they paid in in, in winning that war. Uh, well, one reason I'm so interested in this Blanton project, restoring mm -hmm. the headstone for Blanton, uh, and we call him one of our Revolutionary War heroes. He was a private. He was in several significant battles, mm -hmm. but uh, his service was apparently. Uh, Commendable in, in the sense that he was there and he did what he was supposed to do, but nothing that you would call heroics mm -hmm. uh, up and beyond, such as the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's got to be at the personal risk, uh, beyond, above and beyond what would be expected, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but uh, uh, Blanton, I think, to me, represents many of the just, show, just soldiers the privates mm -hmm. that were involved in the Revolutionary War. Let me acknowledge again a former president of the... Of Isn't the she a sweet lady? Rutherford County Historic yeah. Society. Morning, hon. Who is our complete audience <laughs> this morning. Yeah, she's uh, the only one brave enough to come into this room. <laughs> Joyce Johnson. <laughs> Joyce, good to see you this morning. Thank you. Very good to see you. All right. Always good to yeah, he he does a, a great job painting uh, a picture of all the special events that have happened in, in, in not only in this area but also in our country. We're we're and and I know that you are a major part of the historical association. I just want to pick it up and show it. You know, it's so important. Yeah, you're exactly right. Always good to see you, hon. All right, those are the five things that you probably didn't learn from uh, the contemporary telling of the story of Sam Davis. Um, well, you did it, it, it. 
without hardly me having to ask any questions at all. Well, ask your questions now. Well, I was asking, do you not remember? I was asking as you were going along, big boy. And, and uh, the one, I think I've asked you this, but I'm not too sure. Uh, and I'm going to ask it as soon as we come back from a break. We'll be right back with you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Rapid COVID testing now in Murfreesboro. Do you need a rapid COVID test? Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive through rapid COVID testing on Mondays, all day, 8.30 until 5.30, every Monday through February 22nd. No appointments necessary and it's only $60 with the results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing is available for all adults, men and women 18 and older. Low T Center, near the Avenue at 2855 Medical Center Parkway, across the street from Rooms to Go. See you Monday at Low T Center. Hey, this is Taylor with Bell Jewelers, inviting you to come shop with us. Valentine's is fast approaching, so come shop with us at Bell Jewelers. Some of the perfect Valentine's gifts are anything from a heart-set pair of earrings and necklaces to diamond solitaire earrings to even maybe a Valentine's Day proposal. The best way to say Happy Valentine's is through Bell Jewelers. 821 Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro. Our residents say the chefs at Adams Place run the area's best restaurant. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Where is the best barbecue in town? At 1920 East Main, the best barbecue for miles around is in 1920 East Main. You can buy it by the pound sandwich platter or plate. No matter what you choose, it will taste great. You can come with a friend by yourself or with a date. Just lick the pig barbecue. Barbecue pork, beef or chicken, Brunswick stew, great sides, lunch specials, down home atmosphere, and they cater. Slick pig barbecue. It's the best. French's Shoes and Boots has Valentine's Day gifts for everyone you love. Spread the love with up to 30% off Simply Southern apparel and accessories, plus 10% off the huge selection of men's and ladies' caps. Looking for Hey Dude Shoes? French's has them. They're in stock and they're going fast. Hurry over to French's Shoes and Boots for incredible deals on gifts for Valentine's Day. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. 
It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker and his sweet wife, who is smarter than both of us. 717 North Academy Street. That's where the Historical Association meets on Saturday morning at what time? 9 o'clock. Open the doors. And you are the sign of the dog. Well, I got that one right. Yeah. <laughs> what was I going to Oh, I know what I was going to uh, All during the break, Truman's been rehearsing his question. Now neither one of us can remember what it was. <laughs> we both have great memories, don't we? <laughs> Short term is tough. I want to know at what point when you moved back to Rutherford County did you decide to become involved with the Historical Association? And what what was it that uh, um, kind of put a bug in your ear? Well, for the first six or seven years, I was full-time working uh, in Nashville in uh, legal practice. Uh, but in that time... I started collecting stories from my neighbors mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed that very much and got uh, f- some fascinating stories, many of which I've used in, in my writings. Uh, I would, for instance, on Saturday morning get up about 5 o'clock and literally go knock on the door of one of my neighbors because they were always up, farm farm mm-hmm. homes. And uh, invariably, I got invited to sit down and have breakfast with them. And uh, the conversations would almost always relate to a recollection of the old days. Mm-hmm. So I had a number of stories on tape, a number in, in uh, uh, my own notes and such. But it wasn't until about 2007 that Dr. E.C. Talbert called me. I had joined the society, but it was mm-hmm. just a member of occasionally going to meetings, called me and said, Greg, I want you to run for president. And I said, well, I really, you know. Uh, he says, no, nah, really, we need you. So I said, well, for one year. Three years later, I mentioned to E.C. Talbert that I'd get, it, I'd get even with him somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, I approached the Daily News Journal about... Uh, running some columns, again, using the notes I had from uh, talking with uh, my elders. And uh, that, uh, I remember the editor at the time was a little reluctant, but he said, okay, let's give it a try. And Monday, they don't have any news anyway, if you remember the Daily News Journal. Monday through Sunday. Well... (laughs) On Monday, they needed filler, so we ran the first story. And about Wednesday of that week, he called me and said, Greg, we want to move you to Sunday, uh, the front page of the opinion section. <laughs> I said, okay. So that's just where I really became involved. I forget, probably it was three or four years later, that uh, uh, my predecessor, uh, I forget exactly the circumstances, but uh, Ernie was no longer going to be the county historian and uh, I was nominated by Mayor Burgess Mm -hmm. and uh, voted unanimously to take the position and uh, it came up the other day Uh, someone referred to my counterpart in Davidson County a lady who uh, 
is the county historian up there, and described it in the newspaper as an honorary title. And I thought, uh-uh, it's a working position. If unless you, you just, made it that way. Yeah, unless you just don't want to make it. Well, there's a federal law that uh, I confronted once in a while. I forget the exact citation, but uh, it obligates anyone who is going to do a project using federal money to do a historic impact analysis. Mm-hmm. And in the last 12 months, I think I have responded to six inquiries along that line. Uh, whoever's the Department of Transportation is a couple of them. In fact, one of them's out in our neighborhood just recently. Uh, if they're going to tear out a bridge and replace it, they have and using federal monies in part to do it, they have to do a f- historical impact analysis and come to the conclusion that there's no significant historical impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have at least a half dozen in the last 12 months responses which is fun. Go out and look at the bridge, look at what's surrounding, uh, check the historic uh, designations. That's that's a significant point, usually. Mm-hmm. And then write an opinion as a Rutherford County historian as to whether it uh, is appropriate or if there's a problem. One of the recent ones was the on the south side of our historic courthouse now is a ramp. And uh, the ramp was, in order to meet ADA requirements, mm-hmm. disabled access. Uh, but then it gave rise to, I mean, this is historic property on the National Historic Register. Can we put in a ramp without such and such? So uh, I studied that and wrote that up and uh, wrote an opinion to the uh, architect mm-hmm. who was obligated to make the analysis. Uh, and uh, I, I approved it. I said, you know, there is nominal impact on the uh, historic appearance of that side. But given it was done in order to blend the brick and all such, uh, the merits of access outweighed any uh, significant historic impact. So it uh, is uh, challenging if you... I guess if you choose to to be active, mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit of a challenge, but I enjoy it very much. Yeah, you've made a major impact on a lot of things. Now, the uh, Sam Davis uh, dam out there uh, on the property, uh, where does that stand? Is that over with? Uh, Mike Waller would need to... Uh, Bring us up to date on that. Okay. I have not, since he was last on with us, I've had no information. I think we're still waiting on a federal agency to to cough, hiccup, or say something. Uh, but we'll have to talk to Mike about that. In fact, Mike, if you're listening, call in next week and bring us up to date on that. Yeah, that that is a major issue because when you you, you start looking at the agencies that do have a significant amount of impact on on uh, what goes on in our communities now the historical uh, association uh you have ha- you've addressed a lot of problems since your time that you've been in and probably taken up more time than that you would like with all the other responsibilities you've had well, we'll save the discussion for another time but uh, the the biggest challenge was the uh 
campus yeah. dispute about uh, the name of the ROTC building. And that one worked out the way it should have. But, uh, boy, we, we had an awful lot of in-between there. Yeah. There's been a, a lot of things going on in this country the last 10, 15 years that have made an impact on our history, which is, uh, and a lot of it is, is, uh, hasn't been done very well. I Great think, show. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy being with you. And we'll see you guys in the morning at 9 o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.